You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. Happy Pentecost Day. Happy Wearing Red Day. I'm trying to see if I see any cardinal shirts out there. Next week, it might be appropriate to wear a cardinal shirt, right? For Pastor Bob in his, in his, in his concluding Sunday, you may just want to put that on your to-do list, right? Wear a cardinal shirt. That would be great. Well, today is Pentecost Sunday, and obviously by the songs that we've been singing, by the prayers that have been said, we've been really focused in on the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes when we think about Pentecost Sunday, we think about the outpouring of the Spirit that took place upon those 120 who were gathered in the upper room as they prayed and they waited on the promise that Jesus said to them, where the, the Father's going to send the Spirit, and you're going to be reminded of all the things that I've said and the things that I've done, and the Spirit's going to live within you. Oftentimes, we in the church, we begin to think that the Spirit was really poured out and the Spirit really became manifest within the New Testament. But the reality is, brothers and sisters, that the Spirit has always been present in the world. Go back to the first part of the book of Genesis, and and we hear the Lord looking at the earth, and, and that whole sense of creation story, the Word was spoken, and the Word is the presence of Christ, but then the Spirit shows up where the Spirit hovers over the waters, the deep waters of the earth. The Spirit's present. The Spirit's present in both Testaments, both in the New Testament where the church, when we see the church, the church comes into being, but the Spirit is present in the Old Testament. And the Father, through the prophets and through other places, begins to talk about the promise of the Spirit, not only being a Spirit that hovers over the earth, but a Spirit that lives deep inside of us. And through the prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel, the promise of the, that God gives to the world is that the Spirit is going to come into our hearts and He's going to make our hearts new and give us flesh and lead us into freedom. And some people get to experience that. Some people open themselves up to that promise of the Spirit, even in the Old Testament, and they walk in the power and the presence of the Spirit. And some people have to wait until the New Testament when the Spirit just explodes upon all flesh, upon all of us, at least if we're willing to receive it. But even as we talk about the Spirit, the reality is, even today as we talk about Pentecost Sunday, sometimes our sense of Pentecost, our understanding of the Spirit, is something that lives in our heads but not in our hearts and not in the reality of the places where we walk and where we live. We, and not in all parts of the world, but particularly in North America where we have a lot of technical gadgets, where we have a lot of power, we have a lot of strength, we have a lot of our own ambition, we have a lot of freedom. We are people who live oftentimes with a great belief in the power of the Spirit, but we don't see the Spirit present in our daily lives and lived out. Recently, this past week, I was, I was in a gathering of people, a new gathering of people, people wondering what does God want to do in our community and how does God want to care for Springfield. And, and I asked a question to those who were in the room. I said, What is a dream that has been placed upon your heart? What is something that is a burr in your saddle that you can't get rid of? And one of the people in the room, when we came around to that question for her about her dream, she said, a few years ago, I was just sort of muddling along in my faith. I believed, but I didn't really have a burden in my heart. And I had a dream one night that just unsettled me. She said, look, it was like... I was standing, and there was a person standing beside me, and I was looking upon a line that went all the way to the left and all the way to the right. I couldn't see the end of this line. 
And the people who were in the line were all ashen. Their clothes were ashen. Their faces were ashen. I looked at their hands, and their hands looked as if they had chains upon them, and their feet had chains. But then I looked closer, and as I looked closer, I saw that the chains were loosened. They were cut free, and yet the people still functioned, and they acted like they were still enchained. So she said, I turned to this faceless person beside me who I understood to be the spirit. And I said, why do these people not live in their freedom? And the spirit said, why don't you ask them that question? Why don't you proclaim to them that they are set free? Why don't you go in the power of the spirit? Oftentimes, friends, we talk about the spirit. But there are places, places where the spirit just isn't alive within us and we know it. And our bones, our bones are like that which the songs have spoken about today. In Ezekiel's vision, there's a dryness to us. And yet there is a vision, a dream. I think that as that lady talked about her dream, I don't think that dream is just for her alone, but I think it's a dream for the church today. Where, where are we seeing people who are free yet don't know it? Where would the Spirit ask us to give voice? This is part of the dream that Ezekiel has. If you've got your Bibles with you, if you'd like to open them to Ezekiel 37, I'd like to read that text. A text that's been sung a little bit, but I'd like to read the text, and then I'd like for us to look at the text just for a moment, and then begin to ask us some questions. Ezekiel says, writes this down. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, I don't have a flipping clue. He may have used harder adjectives than that. Then he said to me, speak. Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Draw bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh on mus- and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message, just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley, and the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak. A prophetic message to the winds, son of man. 
speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and they stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. And they are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. I will open your graves of exile and I will cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And when this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Ezekiel is like us, I think. Ezekiel is a reluctant prophet. He is somebody who is reluctant to give voice to his faith, to the expression that God brings before him about the good news of what God can do in the world. He is a reluctant prophet. If you go back into the beginning of Ezekiel's story, you're going to find that God shows up when Ezekiel is a young person. And he says some interesting things to Ezekiel in those opening moments. He says, Ezekiel, I want you to be a prophet for me. I want you to carry a message for me to my country, to the people of Jerusalem, the people that I love and care about. And this message that you're going to care for me is going to be a message that falls on ears that don't want to hear it. And you're going to say things to people in high places with lots of positions and lots of titles behind their names, and they aren't going to want to hear it. But I'm going to ask you to say it anyway. So Ezekiel does. He carries the message that's been given to him. And along the way, everything that the Lord said, how people are going to hear it, but they're not going to want to hear it. They're, they're going to hear what he says, but they're not going to listen. That all takes place. And the country, the land that he loves, is under multiple attacks. And at some point, Ezekiel is taken into captivity and he's taken off to a foreign land. Everything in his world that could go wrong has go wrong, has, has went wrong in Ezekiel's mind. Everything that he has hoped for has not turned out the way that he's hoped that it would. He is deeply troubled. He is certainly a reluctant prophet. Who wants to stand up and say, the Lord showed up again. The Lord's got a word again. He doesn't want to do it. And so if you go back and you read really closely... The Lord came to me and took me into the valley of dry bones. I wonder what kind of picture you get. Have you ever been taken to a place you didn't want to go? Has somebody ever put you in front of a task you've never wanted to do, but you've had to do it? I remember I was 13, 12 or 13 years old, and my grandpa called over to our house and he said, Jason, I wondered if you'd like to come drive tractor. And I said, I'd love to go drive tractor. I couldn't think of anything better to do in life than go drive tractor. So I was driving tractor one afternoon, and then it was time to eat supper. We went in, we ate supper, and then Grandpa says, time to go to the barn. 
I said, I thought it was time to go drive tractor. He said, no, it's time to go to the barn. And out in the barn, he said, it's time to put straw in the barn. I'm like, I don't want to put straw in the barn. And my uncle came out and reminded me that sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do. He took me by the scruff of the neck and reminded me. And I don't know how you read the opening passages of Ezekiel, but I think Ezekiel 37, but I think the Lord comes to Ezekiel and he picks him up in the dead of night. And he takes the reluctant prophet into the wilderness, into the valley. And he says, what do you see? Ezekiel says, I see death and I see a mess. I'm pretty hopeless right now. I have no idea what in the world is going to come of all this stuff. But don't just look at Ezekiel, my friends. Don't just look at Ezekiel. Look at what God is doing in the midst of this. God shows up, right? In the valley of death, in the valley where there is no life, God shows up and he brings a prophet. God takes action. He takes initiative. And of the prophet, this prophet who has known faith, and yet there is a moment where right now in this moment, he's not sure he has faith at all. God begins to ask him questions. God begins to take his faith to task and to bring it into into this picture that is here. What is your faith like, Ezekiel? Is it a faith that's good when everything is good? Or do you have faith that out of nothing I can raise up a people for myself? Out of death, out of despair, do you have hope that the living God still lives? God takes action. And he brings him to this place where Ezekiel doesn't have to just look at the good things, but Ezekiel has to look at all things. Does God ever do that to you? Does God ever do that to his church where God makes us look at everything that's happening? Where we don't get to just to sing happy songs, but we actually have to stand in the valley of dry bones? And we have to see that things are not okay. And we have to hear God ask, can I do anything in this moment? Sometimes we have become very technocratic. And we take lots of measurements and we say, nope. And we say, Lord, take us back to our bed. Maybe we'll wake up in the morning. But God takes Ezekiel to that valley. And he asked him that question, and I think Ezekiel probably responded to God with the severest honesty of his spirit. I don't think anything can live right now, God. And then God said, okay, sometimes faith looks like speaking the honesty of your heart to the one who is the Lord of all. That's what faith looks like. But God isn't done yet with Ezekiel. God's not done yet with you. God's not done with the church. God says to Ezekiel, you don't know, but I do. So I want you to begin to speak. Speak above the bones. So Ezekiel does, and those bones, they rattle together. And the Lord says, speak to the four winds. Because Ezekiel, you don't have power in yourself to make it happen. But when you live out of obedience, when you live into what God is asking you to do, 
you can see the power of God at work in the world and in your life. So he says, Ezekiel, speak. And you and I know that words are powerful. And that words can be healing words. Words can be restorative words. But not simply because of the words that come from us, but because of the words that come from the voice of God and the power of the Spirit. So Ezekiel speaks. At first the bones come together, and then he speaks to the winds, and it's the Spirit that comes in and dwells in these bones that have flesh upon them, and they stand up like an army. Ezekiel's day, God was reminding Ezekiel and, his, and all who would hear this story that though Israel was a country that looked like it was demolished, it would live again. It would stand up on its feet again. God was not done. What does that valley look like for you? What is that proclamation? What is that encouragement to speak into dry places, into dead places look like? There's a point in all of our stories where we stand in the midst of valleys where the bones are scattered all around. Sometimes we find ourselves there very unwillingly, but God takes us there in our own personal stories. And sometimes God takes us there not just in our personal stories, but he takes us there in the sense of our corporate story, in the story of the church. Last week, on Sunday morning, the president of our country went to a church. And the pastor of the church that he went to invited the president up on stage, and he prayed for the, pa- for the president. He prayed that the president, one of the things he prayed for was that the president would have faith, and he'd know what faith looked like. This past week, <clears throat> that pastor and his prayer has faced enormous criticism from just about every corner of the Christian church in North America. How could he do that? He gave an explanation of why he did it. And when he gave the explanation, then people started to criticize him on the background. Every place that news of that event happened, the fact that he prayed for the president was criticized by somebody. As I think about that story, in some way in my own spirit, I wonder if we, the church in North America, if we aren't in the valley of dry bones. When I look out at our story, and I look out at the way in which we are divided, and the things that we talk about, and the things that we discuss, and the things that we fight over, I cannot help but wonder if we are not in a place where we are really living in our own strength and not in God's. And if we aren't at some hopeless corners, some hopeless junctures. And yet I wonder, Schweitzer, I wonder as I look out upon you, if the Lord doesn't want to come to you. Reluctant prophets for sure. But people who know the stirring of the Holy Spirit, people who know the strength and the power of God, and I wonder if he doesn't want you to have a voice. 
to lift up a voice, to be people who in places where there is a real lack of hope and there's a real lack of life, if he doesn't want you to be his voice and his prophet. Not to be somebody who has all the answers, but to be people who kneel profoundly and hard and deeply in prayer. And to be people who call out, Lord, I don't have a flipping idea what you want to do, but I know that you've got the power to do stuff way beyond our own strength. I wonder if God doesn't want you and us to be Ezekiel's in this world. To the church that's around us, to the world that's around us. Yesterday, I was in a conversation. Terrell Barquette, who's a member of our congregation, was in that conversation with me, and I was talking to another pastor. And we were at a moment of great lament, wondering what God was up to and if the Spirit was going to be present. And Terrell Barquette exhibited what I think the Lord may be asking of each and every one of us. Terrell Barquette, in that moment, That cluster of three said, you know what? I look out on the world that I live in and I see God's spirit working and at work every day. I see God's spirit moving in ways that I can't dream of or imagine. Terrell Barquette is a layperson. He was talking to two pastors. He was giving voice to the power of God that is present now. And trust me, brothers and sisters, sometimes it's the lay people who have to be taken by the back of their neck, by the scruff of their neck, and they are reluctant prophets, but it's time to be the prophet. The laity, you who sit in these pews, you need to do more than sit. There is a time for you to stand and for you to give voice to what God is doing. And sometimes you need to speak to those who are in the pulpits. You need to speak and you need to give life. And sometimes you need to speak to those places where you go and you work and you live and you move. And sometimes I know some of you, you already knew that this, that this sermon was going to be on Ezekiel 37 and you heard stuff about those bones and somebody before we entered today said, my bones are getting old and they're getting dry. And some of you know your bodies, are, you're, they're not what they used to be. Don't worry about that, brothers and sisters. You have a wisdom and you have a journey and you have a grand deposit of God that resides within you. And there is no time for that grand deposit to be put on a shelf. Now is the time for you to stand and for you to look out at the four corners of the earth and for you to call on the breath of the Spirit and say, come Holy Spirit. 
blow within us, within this place. I can't tell you what that looks like in an everyday running around kind of life. But if you pray and if you listen to God, God will show you what it looks like. So this morning, my prayer for you is that you'd be bold. Now, when the Lord says it's time to stand and speak, though you are reluctant, you would be the prophet. And you would speak. Keith Green, several years ago, way back in the late 70s or 80s, wrote a song. And as I lived with this text, that song kept coming back to my mind and to my spirit. So I'm going to close this morning by singing this song over you as a prayer for you and for us, for me. And then David's going to come and he's going to lead us in a closing song, which is really a prayer that we all can lift up together. An invitation to the Spirit to use us. And as we go out today, I hope and pray that you are encouraged by the Spirit and you bear the Spirit and you carry the Spirit to those valleys that are in our world. So Holy Spirit, can you put that prayer up, Randy? Rushing wind blow through this temple, blowing out the dust within. Come and breathe your breath upon us. We've been born again. Holy Spirit, we surrender. Take us where you want to go. Plant us by your living water. Plant us deep so we can grow. Jesus, you're the one who sets our spirit free. Use us, Lord, glorify your holy name in us. Holy Spirit, blow through this temple, blowing out the dust within. Come and breathe your breath upon us. We've been born again.